Anyway, Deborah, th this is Bajan. Hi. Deborah. How's it going? How doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having us today. Well, no, thank thank you for having me. I'm the guest, right? You are, but like Nyara is like physically yeah. physically in your She's Nyara invaded has, my home. Yeah, Nyara has just She's invaded my home. So like it's cool. Why, but I feel like I can't podcast without tea now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's your thing. It's your thing. And it just like keeps my hands warm, throat lubricated. Don't like the term lubricated. Not going to say that again. Wow. Why? I don't know. It's a scientific term. It just doesn't feel good coming out of, out of my mouth. Are we, are we having like the same problem as the word moist? I think. Yeah. I still, I don't get that one either. Anywho. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Persisting in Color. I'm Niara. And I'm Deb. And uh, this over here, we got a dude here. Wow. We got a dude here, and he's got a name. You want to tell him your name? I'm Bijan. <laughs> okay, bye, everyone. That's the end. Wow. Just kidding. Um, so today on the podcast, we have our what? first male guest. I know our first male guest. Ooh. We're bringing that, that male perspective, the, the, the male gaze, but the good kind. Mm. He's really making a judgmental face at me. It's fine. Um, so before we like dive into the episode as a whole, we can do our little WTF and why we persist. I really want to start calling that WW pers WW persist WWP. Um, I'm gonna ingrain that. But before we get before we dive in, you wanna you wanna tell them a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. So my name is Bijan French. I am currently working in the investment industry in the let's say like you know in, in the margin department of a very large corporation question yeah what's a margins department so with the margin department what we do is we deal with general just debts with accounts uh with investment accounts so um generally like if something goes wrong uh whether it's overspending or something being reversed like a check we look at it see what has to be done make it happen so you're the enforcers uh one guy on my team notably said that we're the trigger men um and nothing more like murder no 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 <laughs> murder involved here we're talking about we're talking about dollars and cents no but like deb do you see how i got there like trigger gun pull the trigger i thought it was like a metaphor of murder for in anyway. anyway would you say you overall you are your career is in the world of finance yeah i deal with um like different financial markets and the inner workings of accounts and regulations and things like that all day, every day. So yeah, I'd say so. Wow, you're like a robot, but my favorite robot. I prefer the term Android. Okay, you're my favorite Android. <laughs> um, okay, now that the people 
just know a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Deborah. Wow. What's really got under your skin today? What's uh what's your what the fuck? Uh so I guess my WTF moment for this week is obviously we are all glued to the news every single day, I'm sure. And sometimes there's news fatigue. We have to constantly remind ourselves that we shouldn't be burning out. We should be reminding ourselves to, you know, once in a while take a break. But I think that we had our moment of celebration and, you know, we're really helpful for the new year. But my WTF moment is definitely the fact that, um, you know, our president refuses to concede. And that is all of the news that's happening these days. So, you know, and that, you know, obviously puts a dent in, you know, our democratic system. Democracy who? Democracy who? Um, and it's, it, I know that it's, it's probably creating a lot of anxiety um, in a lot of people because, you know, something, something simple as a concession speech um, can actually be a political device in possibly no longer having a democratic system at all. But I think the, the reason why we persist, though, is the fact that our country has been rooted in this democratic system for so long. Um, and we are hopeful that even if this has been one of the worst years um, in our three personal lives, that uh, the people of our country and the amazing diverse backgrounds that make up this country will will move the, the country forward that's all we gotta we just gotta wait we just gotta hold on until january 20th wouldn't you both agree we just we just gotta we just gotta like close our eyes eat some turkey. um well deb you're the reason that i persist because i'm not gonna lie to you find it hard to find it hard to hold on uh to hope and feel a little, a little uh let's say pessimistic I'm not my usual op- op- optimistic, optimistic self. And um, you just like so objectively hold on to hope. When there's nothing else, y'all. At this point, there's nothing else but to be like, well, we've been democratic so far. I'm pretty <laughs> sure we'll stay democratic. <laughs> I know. Look, no, I need that because there was really, it's crossed my mind like very seriously that like I might end up having to be like a refugee of the United States. This is true. Which sounds like very divisive and very problematic, but like I have tyrant visions in my head if somehow, some way he just digs his claws in and just doesn't let go. But I like your version better and I really think <laughs> that that's, that's what we're sticking with. That's what's happening. That's what we're sticking with. Um, shall we jump over to Bijan? Yeah, yeah um, let us know, let us know. So, I mean, just think, like sticking with this <laughs> topic of, you know, the election and 45's antics. Um, oh I've sort of like said from the beginning, once, you know, this all started about four and a half, five years ago, roughly um yeah late 2015 you'd say i don't know maybe is that just me i'm gonna say like early 2016 early because 2016. i remember it really got traction yeah. while i was studying Actually, abroad yeah. and i got yeah. back and i was like oh 
there's no way I didn't pay yeah. attention. And then I came back and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, okay. Crap. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say so like since about then I've been saying, I'm gonna like sit back and watch the movie um, <laughs> because that's really all it is at this point. It's like, it's a lot of stunts you know and a lot of like explosions and like action and you know what i mean things like that um and we're in like hopefully the closing the last act. little yeah the closing act of this uh this year performance we'll see what happens but yeah i think i think we've uh we've seen in general what the people want and it's a little concerning it's not really the turnout that i was expecting or that i really my idealized vision of the uh, of the situation didn't happen, but I like to think I'm a very realistic person. Um, so it could have it could have gone either way. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, I give you that, you know? and like and you guys are, it can get worse. Yeah, you guys are like calmly optimistic, and I think that's what at least I needed. The people that are like, it's gonna be fine. Like, really, just like pouring into it. I'm like forcing it. <laughs> Right, yeah. you're forcing it, <laughs> but you guys are just like, no, this is, this is just it. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> Don't it's get bad. me wrong. Don't get it. Yeah, it's bad. But like, but it is what it is, and we can do it. Like, we we're at a hundred percent success rate so far when it comes to making it. The three of us, right? That, and I'm pretty sure four years ago when Trump got elected. We were all like, how the heck are we going to get through the next four years? And, and here we are. Here we are. I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. But, but we made it. Here we are. One quick question that maybe we should get off politics. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Good call. Probably. <laughs> but I just want to probably, I just want to know, like when in 2016, like they called the election and you're like, oh, it's okay. All right. This is where we're going. Has the four past four years been better, worse, or exactly what you expected? You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like grief where the pill gets easier to swallow, but it still freaking hurts like shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think that by this time, you know, be kind of the fact that we are seeing his antics and him on television and his tweets. It gets easier to swallow only because time has passed. We probably are like somehow gotten used to it, but at the same time, the way that he fe that he makes certain groups and certain people, you know, oppressed and attacked and the hate that he like brings on, it still hurts pretty bad every single time he does it. Yep. <clears throat> I would say I would, but yeah. So like, I wouldn't call that easier. I wouldn't call that what I expected because I honestly did not know what to expect from someone whose experience is in a reality show, firing celebrity apprentices. <laughs> um, but but you know that's that's what it is. That's what it is. I would say. Wow. To think, I kind of forgot that Trump existed before all of this. Yeah. Like, what was I? I wasn't paying attention to The Apprentice. Like, whatever. Yeah. Anywho, I moving mean, on. I'll go on the record and say that, like, when he first got elected, 
I was like, okay, this is the situation. And I wish him the best. Oh, like I honestly, I wanted him to do well because it True. affected me. True. You know what I mean? Like it's at the end of the day, like I didn't want, I wanted all of my expectations to be completely wrong. And it's the first time in a long time that I really <laughs> wanted to be wrong. And, you know, and, and here we are in 2020 uh, after the election, still dealing with it. So we'll see what happens. So still got that being right track record, at least. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> silver lining. Oh. That's the saddest silver lining I've ever heard. Um. Anyway, focusing on, you know, people that actually have training for the position that they hold. Sean, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your, your journey here? You know, you start off life as just this this little bouncing baby boy and yeah. fast forward. To like 26 years later, here I am. Yeah, um, how'd that happen? So went to Central High School and then uh, went to Drexel afterward uh, as an engineer, specifically an architectural engineer. I really wanted to be an architect when I was younger and started at Drexel with that uh, that engineering program. Um, and then decided like, after going through like the first year and some change, uh, I was like, well, I've always been interested in numbers and, you know, and, and I need to learn more about the financial industry because I feel like it's going to be very important to learn about pretty much the driving force of every developed nation on earth. So I decided I was going to use my younger years in adulthood um, to learn as much as I could, um, about the financial markets and, and just everything about money. So, and kept, I made sure that I kept my interest in like engineering and design and architecture, you know, keeping up with like my classes in, in Drexel, I made sure that I did some, uh, some engineering design classes, um, and sort of became like an informal teacher's assistant to the students that were in the class, uh, that were actually struggling a little bit. So I was doing that. And then, uh, while I was at Drexel, I had to do the, uh, the co-ops. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. So, Can you explain what that is? Uh, the cooperative education program at Drexel is basically where students get six months of time in class and six months of on the job, like experience. So like, uh, for my first co-op, I was working like an, uh, an accountant firm, an accounting firm, basically running numbers for class action lawsuits. So dealing with different claims and those different payouts figuring out whether claimants were actually eligible for a payout, how much they were supposed to get paid based on this entire settlement amount, things like that. And I worked there for six months. Uh, the next year after that, went to Delaware Investments in compliance and got my hands dirty in a lot of different places. Compliance literally touches everything, making sure that we're not in the Wall Street Journal for bad reasons, whether it's through somebody's numbers being off with just different things. It's been this a long time ago. Yeah. And then after that went into a commercial real estate investment firm where it was one guy, uh, the president of the firm, and he was basically acting as the middleman between people that had like, not like your personal, like living space, real estate, like investment mm -hmm. real estate. And he would basically go between the people that had them and the banks and help them refinance their loans, whether they wanted to cash out, get a better rate over, over time 
lower payments, things like that. And he would just take a 1% slice off of it, off of the uh, total loan amount as his fee. Is that a lot? Is that Well, um, when the smallest uh, loan that he would take was 500 grand. So like, you know, you're getting a nice little $5,000 check off of that. Okay. But All like, right. that's the smallest one. And these deals could take, they don't really take that long. They were taken mostly like three to four months from beginning to end. So, and multiple deals at a time, okay. ranging from 500 grand up to multiple millions of dollars. But so yeah, I finished up my, uh, my five years at Drexel with my co-ops and uh, went straight into, well, into advice first. Advice? Yeah, financial like advice. Like giving advice, okay. Uh, well, it was advice operations. Um, so I was doing a lot of the actual trading within the accounts to make, to build those portfolios. Okay. So like, say if you were looking to hire a financial advisor, right? So we would talk and I would figure out what your risk tolerance is, how much you're willing to invest, what you're, you know, thinking about putting in over time, whether you're about to retire, um, things like that, whether or not you're going to like need to use it within the next X amount of years, uh, just get a general profile of like what your situation is. And then we would build a portfolio uh, for you based off of different index funds and ETFs, which are packaged investments, uh, different investment vehicles um, packaged into one, like one unit that you can purchase a piece of. I would Um, like one unit of investment, please. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) So I was doing that for a little bit and then uh, moved into the margin department now where I'm at, uh, like I was saying before, the, the quote unquote trigger man. It seems like you've come, you've had quite an evolution of your thought process and your, your dreams, your aspirations. Both of, both of those fields are not really ones that you see like black men mm-hmm. portrayed in all around. You're not, you're not growing up being like, Oh, yeah. Oh, that's me in 30 years. Right. Um, so like, how did you, how did these ideas come to mind? Like, did it feel any more or less attainable? All that jazz. Um, to start, like, when it comes to like having the interest in these things, like in architecture and engineering and and in finance, um, since I was a small child, I've always been like a numbers geek, just in general, just always liked it a lot um so i always thought that like the most well not always thought but like i realized later on i felt like the most practical application of that love of numbers would be to apply it to money so that's where i got that uh mindset okay um but when it comes to like the architecture and engineering um, I was the kid that was like breaking their toys apart to figure out like how things actually worked. And like, sometimes I couldn't get them back together. Sure. Your mom loved that. Oh yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was great. She, I feel like she was like happy that I was like trying to figure things out, but like really upset that I was breaking a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, that, you know, she spent a lot of hard earned money on. Thank you, mom. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to like not seeing, like not having the representation, like, and not seeing an example of like a black engineer or like a black architect or like 
a black hedge fund manager or anything like that. Like I never really cared about that. Um, I've always liked the idea of being first, like, or being like an outlier. Like that doesn't bother me. Like even like today, like my team that I work with, I'm the only black man. I'm the only black person on the team. It's like definitely, um, like it's mostly white guys and there are a couple of white women um, that are on the team. And there was one Asian woman that was on the team, but she has since moved on to a different team. And it doesn't really bother me that much, you know, just because like, like I said, like I don't really mind being the odd one out, like in a group, like I'll be the only one. I'm the only Bijan, like, <laughs> like I've been the only one for a while. Have you, what, like, I know that you said it doesn't, it doesn't bother you. Like it doesn't really like affect your mindset, but have you seen it affect your day-to-day -day life at all? Well, it really stuck out like with the recent, like the recent civil unrest, you know, of just 2020 alone, we forced to have a lot of hard conversations. Um, so like, and there were times when I was the only one that like wanted to have the conversation. Uh, and that was like kind of, kind of difficult, but like, I wanted to have the conversation, but I didn't want to be the one to lead it. Yeah. Because like, why should you have to be? Right. Exactly. Like, why should I have to be the one that brings this up? Why I should I have like to be the one HR. that talks? About, exactly. Like, I mean, there were messages that were sent out like, uh, enterprise wide messages, Yeah. you know, be inclusive and all that type, you know, all that, that corporate jazz. Um, but like. That was the only time that I can think of where it really like stuck out to me. I was like, oh shit, like I'm the only black man. Can I, can, can I curse? Is that cool? Oh, I curse so much. All right, cool. <laughs> I'm just making sure, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'd be like, oh shit, I'm the only black man like here. I'm like pretty much the only person, it seems like the only person that cares. Hmm. Um, and that like kind of hurt a little bit, but like other than that, like just day to day, like working and like just existing in the office, like never really crosses my mind like that I'm one of the few um I guess as an extension of Niara's questions um you know you mentioned that your internships or the the program that you had at Drexel mm -hmm. helped you have a lot of experiences and go into the financial world mm -hmm. um did you think at any point as you were going through all of these experiences and these internships that somehow you didn't belong in terms of obviously you know the precedents that were set and, and not seeing as much representation mm -hmm. i know that you know although you and you know you really take pride in, in being the, the first of many um do you think that you would have had a better experience had there been more representation in the financial industry and yeah. even you know in the big five and as mm -hmm. you look at MSNBC, you know, like even like it's everywhere and it's yeah. that there isn't much diversity. Do you think that if there were somehow we would have a different world today? I mean, yeah, definitely. I think inclusion and, you know, and just having uh, an accurate representation of like the general audience, um, especially like when it comes to, you know, like we we're talking about like broadcasting and things like that it's very important to make sure that everybody feels represented. Um, but I don't like, personally, I don't think that it would have made much of a difference to me 
but I could definitely see like, like moving forward, like it, it could definitely help a lot of people, you know, to, to see an example of themselves in, you know, their, uh, wherever they want to grow up to be. Um, if they can see, like, if they can literally see it that, like themselves and, and instead of it having to be a figment of their imagination by default, like, I think that that could help a lot of different people just really having the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just having the drive to make it happen. If they can see it, then they can make it happen as opposed to it being like something that they've always just dreamed about and that's it. Like it's always been a dream. So like if it's not really a reality to that person then how can they make it a reality? You know what I mean? Like that's really like my take on that. I don't know. It's so in terms of finding like the financial industry yeah. and even architecture like mm-hmm. where where did you hear about it because i know like, for me and my experience mm-hmm. there's been so many jobs since i more like graduated college mm-hmm. got to the end of college and graduated mm-hmm. that people will mention or like i find out about mm-hmm. and just no i just didn't even know about it because no one told me yeah and it like no one looked at me and was like, you might fit that industry. Yeah. Well, where I heard about architecture was um, grade school because I went to um, Independence Charter down in Center City. Um, it was on top of uh, Chad, which is the Charter High School for Architecture and Design. So I had to walk past this place every day. <laughs> so uh, like it was basically like, a converted office building. Chad was on like the first floor and I think they had a couple of different, they had a couple of floors in the building. And then my uh, elementary school, which was like a startup, it was in the startup phase at that point, they didn't have like a full blown school building. They just had like space. Um, And that was on other floors in the building. So that's how I got introduced to like architecture is I have to walk past like and see like things in the window and like see these designs of these like buildings and like just different designs of different things just in general and it really sparked an interest in like art um, in general like I've always really enjoyed like drawing and and just visual art in general. Um, So I definitely like sort of skewed that way uh, when it came to like just activities that I enjoyed as a young child. Um, And like when it came to like actually being in school and learning, it was math. Like that was my, that was my shit. (laughs) And um, like I didn't learn about engineering, like to be considering being an engineer until I was applying for schools, um, like for colleges. Um, Yeah, started like applying to different places as like mostly as an architect um, and also as an architectural engineer, if they had that as an option. And then uh, I also figured out that architecture school takes like six plus years, something like that. Like it's a long, it's a long program. You were in default. school for five years anyway. I know, but like that wasn't the, like I was getting work experience. All right. So you told us about how you found out about engineering and architecture. Uh-huh. When did when slash how did finance come into the picture oh so finance came into the picture uh when my mom actually she started working at an investment firm Mm. um and i went to like go like just hang out with my mom and uh at her job and um 
yeah, it sparked an interest. I was like, well, I've always liked numbers and like, this like is pretty interesting stuff. Like they were um, private equity firm. Um, so really just like small startups, like, and you know, onward and outward and such. Um, and it seemed really interesting. So I was like, well, let me see if this is like something that I would want to like look into. But that was like before I started applying for schools. I was still like in full architect mode at that point. And then when I got to school and started it, I was like, well, let me like see what's up with this finance stuff because this looks like something that I would be better suited to like be in school and getting grades for as opposed to like being in school. Cause especially like the stories that I've heard from the engineering school, like from those, those students, like with their tests and what such, like just like talking about like class averages, like 30. And tests, that's like awful testing. Normal? That was just normal. And I was just like, that just can't be, that can't be like. So how do you graduate? Exactly. And how are you learning anything? Like what's going on there? Or are you just failing? Like, okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. Completely sidetracked. Um, but it just seemed really like a really stressful environment. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I've always liked numbers. And this seems like a really good time to like learn about this stuff when it comes to like my just stage of life. Yeah. Um, so like, let me, let me just pump the brakes on this for like this whole engineering thing right now and really focus on the part that I like came here for and like really wanted to get into, which was like the design aspect. And also like, like uh, I was really into like the mechanical stuff, like, you know, making like, I love anything with wheels. Like it's really cool to me. Um, whether that's bicycles, motorcycles, cars, like all, like any sort of cyclical motion is really cool to me. Um, horse and buggy. Horse and buggy, yeah. But, um, you know, moving on to obviously you are now a couple of years into really, you know, having your career mapped out mm -hmm. um, and um, into the financial field. Mm -hmm. um, would you say in terms of the opportunities that you have in terms of recognition, um, the way that your performance is reviewed, do you see any differences or just any things that you kind of have to navigate, you know, as a person of your background at, at you know, in, in your field right now? Um, I like to think that I'm being judged fairly, like when it comes to performance reviews and things like that. Um, like I haven't really had any sort of experiences where I think that you know, that someone was being, well, maybe actually now I'm thinking about it. I don't think it was because I was black, but I definitely do like have times when like, I feel like things were being like, things were a little bit ridiculous. Like, for example, like a couple of years ago, I was like blackballed pretty much from applying for different positions within the firm. Uh, and this was because of quote unquote attendance. Um, so I work an hour away from my home or I should say, I live an hour away from the office. Um, and that's a good day's traffic, you know, and I would definitely uh, prepare for this journey every day by leaving at least an hour and a half ahead of time, just to give myself a little bit of a buffer. So once in a while, like, you know, that buffer doesn't really work that well. And you still get it, you know, get there a little bit after the time. But like um, by how much are we talking? Well, generally speaking, it would be within 10 minutes. Okay. 
it's like that's the ex, like that's the top right. limit outlier. Right. So yeah, so I would get there and like there would be various different things that would happen. Like sometimes someone decided they were going to slam their car into a wall and it just diverts, you know, causes a big traffic jam. Um, and yeah, so eventually like, you know, I had to sit down with, uh, with my manager and we sat and we talked about, uh, attendance and she had like the spreadsheet up on the, on the screen with like the different sign in times and stuff like that. And I was like looking at it and I was like, so are we really sitting here having this conversation right now? Like about me coming in like once in a while, a couple minutes late, this, this, uh, spreadsheet up on the board like there were times when it was like a few seconds late and it's like they're highlighted you know what i'm just like looking at it like this is this is absolutely ridiculous nothing but praise for like actually working with me and like being on the floor and like just my general presence and like my actual quality of work 99% on you know shooting for the stars here and it's great so why are we sitting here talking about attendance? Like, why are you nickel and diamond? Have you seen that happen to anyone else? Would you know if that were to happen? To I have else? no idea. But like, I can't, it's nothing like, there's no conclusive evidence. Like, It's just kind of one of those like, yeah, it's like, are we like, so I'm not going to win. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm just sitting here like in this, in this awkward situation where I have to explain why on my hour long commute, I've been late, like, five minutes over the last six months maybe three times and why is that like why am i now at a position where i'm eligible to be posting for new jobs and i have to watch these opportunities just like diminish these are opportunities that i know that i'm qualified for these are opportunities that i know that i would slot well into and could do a lot of you know good for the team so why do i have to sit and watch that like disappear um, you know not like asking you specifically but no. <laughs> Let me, <laughs> I'm on your board actually. Yeah. So let yeah. <laughs> me break down that decision for you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who you do see filling those positions as you are like told that you're not allowed to? Um, I mean, a lot of times it's like, it ends up being like, they already had somebody that was sort of not necessarily pre-selected, but they knew who they wanted. Oh. And that also happens um but like or it'll just be like oh you know you're just like when i tell you like it's just like not even like they won't allow me to apply for these positions so i don't really honestly personally i don't pay attention to them like after like if it's filled like because it's just i'm not doing it <laughs> so like it doesn't bother me like who like i don't really wait but so deb tell me if i'm if you I'm confused because I'm like, why are they having people apply if they already pre pre selected? That's what I'm saying as well. It does that doesn't make sense to me. I'm assuming as just a courtesy, they would probably open up the internal job postings. Um, but you know, obviously, and I can't speak to you know individual companies and companies that I haven't worked for. But you know, in those cases, what I would assume would happen is. They open up just to, you know, have a courtesy for all employees, but they end up having somebody in mind. Yeah. And, you know, to be quote unquote fair, they'll they'll bring multiple people through the interview rounds, but they already, you know, if they already know who they're gonna pick, then, you know, obviously you can't, you know, stop a company from there. And it's it's a little bit more tricky, obviously, because 
you know, once a comp once an employee is a part of a company and they try to apply to another job, you know, the barriers and the, and the legal obligations of, you know, an external person applying to a job doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't hold because, you know, once you're in the company, they can pretty much set the rules for you. This is like I get the awful. yeah, I get the courtesy part, part uh, portion, but like, is it courtesy or compliance? I think it's more compliance. It's like they're looking to to not be accused of like nepotism and like favoritism and things like that. If they just like straight hand somebody a position, yeah, you know, like I get that. Like I totally understand if you if you have something that you think somebody's going to be really good at, and they're like pretty much being groomed for this position. And you have to open it up to, like to everybody to see it like for it to be fair and i get that but it's just i don't know it, like i said it's just when i can end up talking to myself in circles here when they're grooming someone for that kind of like that situation where they're like oh like you're gonna be the one um do you like from your knowledge or your experience working with these people like are they like, particularly exceptional like are you like ah, I get why you're I get why this one got chose to like be kind of yeah push towards that or is it like you just happen to be they like your smile <laughs> the right place right time yeah um well the last time that I've seen that I knew who it was gonna be like just as soon as I saw the posting and that was internal like for the team and was that because of this person's like work ethic yeah was that it was because they're actually like stellar like they're okay a great all right like they're actually like they were not necessarily being groomed for it, but like as soon as I saw the position, I was like, oh, that's this person. Okay. We like to hear that. Yeah. So that was like, it was refreshing. Like, like I said, like, and I can see that. Yeah. I can yeah. see why that makes sense because especially if it's something where it's like an internal, like you're looking for a senior member of a team, like you don't come into a team, you don't hire somebody off the street to be like, to be the person that that knows everything about the team. True. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially like when it comes to like, uh, when it comes to things that are so uh, specialized, you know? Just but, from conversations we've had personally though, it sounds like you are kind of a, a go-to resource for a lot of people on your team. So mm -hmm. do you, do you expect that like soon I don't know what soon means in the <laughs> yeah. financial industry, but like uh, soon you'll also be one of those people where like the job posting goes up and people are gonna be like, oh yeah. I mean, hopefully, like I personally wouldn't say that about myself to be like, to say like I'm a shoo-in for something. Um, but like, hopefully that's how things are already. Um, like someone will see something on the team and, or they'll see a post and go up and be like, oh, like the job would fit that really well. Like, I really hope that that's what's going on, but I can't like, I can't really give a timeline for like when I would want to see because I hope it's happening already. <laughs> um, <laughs> why, why are you hesitant to say that you would be a shoe in for a certain kind of position or a certain kind of promotion? Uh, probably just general humility. Like I just don't want to like, I would rather like let my actions and like my performance speak for itself than to like come in and just be like oh i'm gonna kick ass because like yeah i'm gonna kick ass don't get me wrong but like i'm not gonna just like flat out say that like what that reminds me of like um like there's a boxer um it's a young a young uh, young boxer by the name of adrian broner um adrian broner is like the biggest showboat 
like mm -hmm. ever right. like he's like awful <laughs> seriously like it's 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 rough to watch like he's the dude like oh yeah, i'm gonna come in there i'm gonna kick his ass he's gonna be like you know his girl's gonna be calling me daddy and blah 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 like he's like really just outlandish really trying to hurt people's feelings that feels unnecessary that's what i'm saying like he's just ridiculous like that wasn't a direct quote but like it's something you know that Similar. i wouldn't be surprised just to hear come out of his face um but yeah like and i just never want to sort of give off that energy of like the showboat of like you know or someone that's like really full of themselves and things like that so like i wouldn't go into a situation thinking that like i am the one <laughs> you know what i mean because like it's there are so many people out there i'm going to do my best and hopefully my best is impressive but if it's not so be it you know so the reason that i ask and and deb let me know if you agree with this like there's so much space between adrian broner and just making it clear mm -hmm. to everyone around you, like in this work environment and whatever it may be that like, you know, your worth and you know mm -hmm. that you know your shit. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I guess because I thinking back for myself, no, remember being like very much afraid to say like, yeah, I would be great for that role. Or like, you know, if you think about it logically, like I'm the best person for that role. Mm -hmm because I didn't want to come off mm -hmm. like I was like touting myself or too full of myself or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm, you know, a few years in and I will talk about positions, I'll talk about responsibilities and I, and I can objectively say there's this fact, this fact, this fact, this fact, mm -hmm. and this is why it really just makes sense for me to fill this, mm -hmm. fill this position. And realizing that that's, that knowing that mm -hmm. and knowing that objectively like, this makes sense mm -hmm. and being full of myself and touting my own horn are like two very yeah. different things and not feeling like anyone really decided to like mm -hmm. tell me that ever mm -hmm. i think in conjunction with miara's question that mm -hmm. uh, she was getting to which <laughs> i don't know say that and this can be your personal opinion but you know i i personally see it myself and I, i'm sure miara has has seen it but you know even i'm the same i'm on the same page as you vision where i want my own work mm -hmm. and my own performance to to prove itself um but i i've had experiences where you know my white counterparts have no problem, even if I know in my heart and I know just off the top of my head that they don't has, have as much experience, they don't have mm -hmm. as much input and um, you know work ethic as much as me, that they have no problem just coming to the table and saying, yeah, I deserve the job, mm -hmm. I'm the shit, I deserve a raise, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they end up do just getting the job or just getting the raise or, or getting, um, you know, the position that, you know, we wanted. You know, I don't necessarily think it's because my company was, you know, being flat out biased. Mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, we were all conditioned or I was personally conditioned not to, you know, speak up for myself or like, mm -hmm. you know, show or like say my worth while my white counterparts are, you know, they mm -hmm. are because they have, they've always had the open door to. Um, and so I think that in those ways, do you feel like you do feel the same way sometimes? Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, I've definitely been in, in situations where 
like you're saying, like someone will not necessarily have like the qualifications or they'll have, they won't have like the experience to really like do a certain job and they end up like right in that particular position. Um, and like, I mean, going back to like that attention, like uh, not attention, it's the, uh, the attendance situation I was talking about before. Like I had to watch someone that who had come in after me um, and generally speaking, wasn't really the resource uh, that I was to the team had like got that position of being that resource to the team because I was quote unquote on, you know, I called it being in timeout. <laughs> they put me in timeout. That's what I called it. Um, I was still in timeout. So like, I was like, okay, well, I can't really do it. I can't apply for this job. And then it went to, we're going to call him Steve, fucking Steve, uh, got the job and he hadn't even been there for a year. And meanwhile, I've been there for a year and a half, two years. So like, how does he know more about this, about this, uh, you know, about this particular yeah. department than I do? Seems like the company's really hurting themselves there for very little, very little reason. Um, for a couple seconds on the clock. Yeah. Um, so I only have one other question left because I don't want to take too much of your time, but I don't know if Deb has any other ones. I'm hanging out. Um, <laughs> I think I'm good. So, you know, talking about those different <clears throat> lessons and experiences and like um, lessons and how you're supposed to be and like coming to the table with those, is there anything that you feel like since you've gotten in the workforce and you have been so surrounded by people with these like very different backgrounds that you've like learned or picked up from them? Um, something that I wish that I had known earlier is like kind of to go back to what we were just talking about, like definitely know your worth and know like what you're capable of and make sure that everyone around you also knows like what you're capable of and don't like keep it to yourself. Like, sit in the corner like I'm so good yeah exactly but also don't be like boisterous about it you know like make sure that like allow your interests and your like your talents to like shine um but yeah I mean like that would be the main thing that I would say like when it comes to something that I wish that I had known earlier um particular about like the financial world like learn as much as possible as, as early as possible like yeah. just like uh you don't have to know your way around full financial documents like you don't need to like know your way around profit and loss and like know what EBITDA is and stuff like that generally speaking like learn a little bit about how dollars and cents work um it's important <laughs> yeah no one taught me that uh you're basically teaching me that <laughs> But John's trying to make me less risk um, averse. Risk averse. Trying to make me less risk averse. I think that actually, you know, that does lead to an ultimate final question. Yeah. Uh, I know that, you know, 2020 has been a really hard year financially on top of all the things. But, um, you know, as, you know, young people and, you know, people in their 20s um, who really, you know, don't really know how to handle their financials right now. What would you say for the people who do have the resources um, and who do have 
be fortunate enough opportunities to be able to be saving mm -hmm. at a time like this right now? What, what, what are some of your financial tips in terms of, you know, retirement, in terms of investments, um, given, you know, our, our financial situation in our world right now? Um, I just want to say for the record, this is not advice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is not professional this advice. This is not professional advice. This is this is a dude sitting on his couch. Straight up. Talking about his personal life experience. Yes. Um, my personal life experience is, well, like just things like, I guess, like financial tips and tricks, like for times like this. Um, I mean, we kind of already missed the big dip when it comes to like times to invest, um, or at least like, you know, recent history and also recent history is not indicative of future performance. Um, so don't look at a chart and think, well, this happened before. And so therefore this is going to happen again. Like that's not how things work. Uh, we're still talking about the future at the end of the day. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, hoarding cash is something that a lot of people want to do. Um, cash is king. I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, you need cash for, for your day-to-day -day life and for, you know, for everything, but there is a such thing as too much cash. Now, what that definition is varies from person to person and what they need for their daily life. But it's very possible that there is too much cash. You know, like it's something that I think a lot of people need to remember. Tell them about good debt. I just learned about good debt. Oh, good debt. Like when you when you beat your interest rates. Um, so so the credit card debt is bad debt. Everybody knows this mostly because it's very high percentage. So like you got like your standard credit card uh, interest rate, your APR on a credit card is gonna be about 20% and that's low. That means every year uh, they're gonna have interest charges uh, throughout the year that are gonna total up to about roughly 20% of the balance. Roughly speaking, no purchases involved, 20% on top of whatever it is that you had a thousand dollars of a balance, 1200 end of the year. And then that 1200 plus 20% for the next year, you know what I mean? Like, and, and rolling over and over and that's bad debt. Good debt is when you say, take out a business loan, you know, say 5% or something like that, whatever. And if you can make back enough to actually cover your payments and then more, and then you have profit at that point. So like, you're not, you're not losing anything at that point. So like you take out the loan at 5% to invest into your business, but then with that money that you took out and are being charged 5% on, you can make 7% yeah. interest on it by yeah. running your business. I got cool. You. I'm just trying to, so, I'm trying to put it in terms yeah. I can understand. So, so can we're going to take like Arizona cans for an example. Yeah. So like uh, I saw a deal the other day where someone was selling Arizona cans for 57 cents each. Oh, wow. Right. Right. Opportunity. That is an opportunity. Opportunity. Instantaneous. Right. Like I didn't even have to say anything else. For those that haven't come in contact with an Arizona can, they're 99 cents. It's on the can. So, yeah, Arizona cans, 99 cents. And I saw somebody sell them for 57 cents a pop. So I was thinking, well, I mean, hey, that's, a, you know, 57 cents a pop. Uh, if I was to resell those at the price that's on the can or even like, say, 75 cents. Still giving people a deal. Still giving people a deal. 75 cents a pop, right? You're making 18, 57, 18. Oh, we're not a math show. Yeah, 18. <laughs> anyway, you're making a, a nice little percentage uh, on top of there. That's a good percentage, too, especially from 57 cents and 18. It's like, like almost a quarter. 
You're Almost still doing 25. The math. I know I'm still doing numbers here. So you end up with a nice profit there. So if you were to get a business loan that's at like 5% and you were to like buy a thousand of those cans and you sell those cans back, you have a nice profit there. That that's really outdoes what the interest that they're yeah, that, gonna charge you. Exactly. That outweighs your interest. So that is in that particular situation, I would call that good debt because you didn't touch your own money. You didn't have to shell out hundreds or thousands of dollars to buy these Arizona cans and you made the money back. Um, it still makes me nervous, but I understand that it is a smart financial decision if you do it when you're well informed mm -hmm. and no one told me that. So that's the thing is information is everything you need yeah. to be informed. You need to do research and figure out how these things work. Um, before diving headfirst into anything. Very true. Definitely, I am not <laughs> saying that anyone take this snippet and be like, and invest Cut. all my life Right, savings. yeah, no, that's not what this is. Like I said before, this is not uh, professional is financial not. advice at all. I'm spitballing here. It's just giving people who may not have ever even thought about it mm -hmm. the thought to then go do more research. Because yeah. I know damn well no one talked to me about finances. When I was going up. to buy my car, that was good debt. Like, true. I bought my car. I was on the way to getting a job. So I was like, shit, I need a way to get to the job. Let me buy this car. Gotta spend money to make money, baby. Okay, well, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew about finances. Because I didn't. <laughs> Deborah? That is all I had. I will now go check my Robinhood account after this. <laughs> <laughs> Please. John, thank you so much for uh, being, um, you know, a part of this lovely show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yara, do you want to tell the folks where they can find us? Sure do. I don't know why I like <laughs> that. Um, they can find us on the Instagram at persisting underscore in underscore color. Um, we should be coming out with some more content there soon. Uh, also, you can DM us. You can email us at persistingincolor at gmail.com. And again, praise, pure love, feedback, suggestions for other shows. You all answer questions. Yeah, any questions that you want answered? Ooh. Actually, Ooh. last week's or Don't last episode, when this comes out, was from a DM. Oh. Yeah. I like it. So like we it. actually listen. And for our listeners out there, if you do want more of Bijan's not advice, but personal <laughs> opinion based on his personal experiences in finance, uh, send those questions away and we'll, we'll make sure that uh, we'll get those questions to Bijan. Yeah. Uh, in the most unofficial, not legally binding manner. Yes. Correct. Okay. I like it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. We'll see you all next time. And thanks again. We'll see you soon. Oh, yeah. Every two weeks, guys. Every oh. Monday. Every other two weeks. Monday. What? <laughs> we come out every two weeks. Uh, and uh, until the next time. There it is. That's what I was trying to say. Thanks, Deb. <laughs> Bye.